Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to Pod of Jake. I'm Jake. You can reach me anytime by emailing jake at blogofjake.com or DM me on Twitter at 0fjake. I always love to hear from fans of the podcast, and your support of the show means a lot to me. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by AG1, the best foundational nutrition supplement on the market. You may have heard about AG1 by now and already decide you want to try it. If that's the case, go to drinkag1.com slash podofjake and order your first pack now. If you're not familiar, AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement with 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced ingredients to support whole body health. I started drinking AG1 a couple of years ago because it seemed like the most high-quality, cost-effective way to get the vitamins and nutrients I need. Now I drink it almost every day before I eat or drink anything else besides water. It tastes good, makes me feel great, and sets the tone for a healthy day, all for about $3 a day. So if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash podofjake. That's drinkag1.com slash p-o-d-o-f-j-a-k-e. Check it out. Thank you, Preeti, for coming on and joining me on the podcast today. It's great to be able to speak with you. You are an uh, entrepreneur and an engineer, a writer and a student, uh, currently founder of DAP Camp, which you're running and, and teaching lots of students through that, and previously uh, started True Story after some time working at Coinbase, A16Z before that, and beginning your career at Goldman Sachs. Um, so that's sort of like the high level, but it would be great to hear your story for those who don't know you uh, from as early as you're willing to start to where you are today and maybe talking through some of the decisions you made along the way. Sure. Um, yeah, great, great to be here. Thanks for having me here, Jake. Um, I mean, I don't know where to start. Let's see. I guess I'll kind of go back and start um, as back as college and we'll kind of talk about how I've sort of navigated my career and also personal life. Cause I think they kind of go hand in hand, but um yeah, so I went to school for something totally outside of software engineering. I was an industrial systems engineering school. Growing up, I always loved like math and physics. So I knew I wanted to do something um, that involved math and physics. And engineering obviously fits that um, pretty well. So I did industrial systems engineering. I loved it. I thought I was going to be a systems engineer when I graduate. Um but at the time, I was also minoring in business. And so I was hanging out with some of the business kids um, because they just were more fun. <laughs> and one of my friends who was in the business, my who was a business major, told me to come to um, an information session that Goldman Sachs is having having at USC. So I went to USC. Um, and so I went, I had no idea what investment banking was. Honestly, I didn't even know what Goldman Sachs was. Like, it was just like, I was just curious about, I just wanted to get a head start on starting my job search because frankly, most engineers are very smart. And so in my school at USC, they were kind of putting off the job search thing to senior year. They weren't very ambitious about trying to, you know, get a job or internships or anything like that because engineers kind of have a little chip on their shoulders where they know if they're good, they're going to get a job. They're not too worry, worried about it. Like engineers are not the ones that are not getting jobs out of college. It's usually some of the other majors that kind of struggle. So I just, I joined this information session. I love the energy that these finance and business people had at this session. And then I just listened to someone at Goldman Sachs talk about why we should apply for Goldman Sachs. And long story short, I ended up applying and um, sorry, I ended up uh, reaching out to the guy who did the information session, um, talked to him and he gave me a, a whole spiel about what investment bank is and that, you know, I should consider applying, even though I was an engineering major. And so I ended up applying for an internship at Goldman Sachs, got interviewed and like I got 
I got the offer for an internship and I like had no idea why out of all people they gave me the offer you know there was like thousands of business students that applied for this internship and from USC they rarely select students it's not like one of the Ivy Leagues or was not at the back then it still is not an Ivy League but in terms of ranks it's gone a lot higher um but it was me and another student two students they picked two students from USC to do an internship at Goldman so that was really my entry into the tech world and at the time I didn't even know what it meant to be in tech I didn't know what tech was um I didn't know that there was this whole world of technology that's like exists but yeah Goldman Sachs um I had joined the TMT group TMT stands for technology media telecommunication and so we the office that I was in was in San Francisco so I had to fly up to San Francisco to do the internship and that's how I got exposed to the tech world and while I wasn't doing I wasn't doing tech at Goldman Sachs I was doing banking and so I was you know crunching numbers basically all day and reading like S1s and 10ks and things like that um I I like got exposure to like what what it meant to be a tech company and what these tech companies were doing um and stuff like that and i started to realize that while i liked this whole like idea of being in tech i just didn't like my job like i didn't like being a banker i didn't feel like you know working in spreadsheets what was what what i wanted to be doing in like 2 3 5 years down the line i didn't really look up to my mds or even partners at Goldman and say okay this is what i aspire to be like there was nothing about the the career path at Goldman that i aspired to be even though i absolutely loved Goldman as a firm i just didn't like the job and so i knew that i didn't want to go beyond being an analyst so i didn't i was an analyst for about a year and then i started looking elsewhere um while i was at Goldman just kind of having conversations with people in tech but doing different things outside of banking and was utterly lost like i had no idea what the hell i wanted to do with my life and then i had a friend who was like hey maybe you should look into this venture capital thing it's like it's basically where you can use your finance skills but you don't have to do finance and um i had no idea again what venture capital was i googled it and started like looking at it and he actually gave me um a couple people's emails because i think he had tried to apply for these venture capital firms and he didn't get a job offer so he was like maybe you'll get something if you try and so i reached out to the people he gave me and i had like two conversations with the two vcs out of the bunch that i emailed that actually responded one worked at um dfj and the other one worked at andreessen and um the dfj guy said you know he didn't really want to interview me he just i don't know he, there was no interest there in continuing the conversation but um the person i spoke to andreessen wanted to interview me so long story short I got interviewed at, at A16Z and then they pushed me through the interview process as fast as they could because um they were excited to to go through and then 2 or 3 months later and a ton of interviews later I ended up getting an offer at Andreessen um and I yeah like and then that's so then like Andreessen was really like some of the I had like so much fun being at Andreessen Horowitz and um being a venture capitalist because it just taught me so much about what is a startup how does a startup run what makes a startup successful it taught me about like um all of these industries that exist in tech what each industry does what it takes to succeed in these industries what are the problems that each industry has what type of companies fit these different industries right like certain industries require a certain type of startup other industries require another type of startup and in that process i was getting to meet like tons and tons of founders each day because we would have pitch meetings from morning to evening every day we'd be just listening to pitches from entrepreneurs who were trying to get funding from a16z um and then you know i was i absolutely had a blast learned a ton i thought i think i grew a lot as um as a person as a i don't know what to say as a techie in those two years but then i started to get like entrepreneur envy where i wanted to be on the other side of the table i just felt i thought it was so cool that these people can go out in the world and have an idea and code it 
and build it and bring it to the world and potentially, you know, make a difference in people's lives through their startup. And so I wanted to be on that side of the table, but I felt like the one missing skill set was that I didn't know how to code. And yeah, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who can build successful startups without knowing how to code. But I felt like if I want to be a technical founder and like be able to communicate with my engineering team, even if I'm not coding day to day, which I don't do right now, I want to be able to understand like what's happening behind the scenes and like, and not just like take things for granted. And I just like, I also just enjoy really understanding how technology works and why a piece of technology is built this way versus that way. And so I decided that I'm going to go and learn how to code. Um, And, you know, I was, it was a very like, I guess people said it was a bold move because I quit A16Z to go teach myself how to code um, versus staying there and kind of continuing my career path there. But to me, it felt like the right thing to do because either it was now or never, like I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be able to go back and learn how to code, you know, five years down the line. I think it would be too late. Um, so I wanted to just do it now and get it over with. And so I did. And then I taught myself how to code. I went to a coding boot camp. And then I joined Coinbase as a software engineer. And again, another really, really amazing growth growth curve for me where I just learned so much. I was such a newbie engineer, but somehow they took a chance on me. And uh, I'm thankful for Brian and for Fred for doing that. And I learned a ton. I just really, really enjoyed being at Coinbase at the time because I joined, I think, in 2014. 2015 was when I joined Coinbase. So no one was talking about crypto back then. Um, It was only like a few weirdos who were in crypto. Um, And so the the team at Coinbase was less than 100 people when I joined. Now it's like a couple thousand, I think. So it was just it was just the early team. And I was getting to interact with them and work with them. And they were just a quirky little bunch of people who I really, really learned a lot from. and then I was there for a year and then left and decided that it's finally time that I venture out on my own and try to build my own thing. Like you kind of see a pattern where I'll, I'll have been at companies for one or two years, but then I leave because there's just this sense of dissatisfaction. And I think I was always trying to go and do something on my own and um, and explore my entrepreneurial uh, cravings. And so, yeah, I started to go out and do my own things. And I started, I I eventually started a, my own company called True Story. We raised $3 million of funding and we wanted to build an app. It was based on Web3. It was a Web3 app where basically we wanted to use the power of crypto to incentivize people to tell the truth online. And so they'd have, anytime they'd say something, it would have skin in the game and then they'd be, a community that would either approve or disapprove of that statement based on factual it based on a factual basis um i worked on it for two years ultimately realized that like the infrastructure to support a consumer app back in 2018 it was just too early um like you know we had to use our app you had to have a crypto wallet and no one <laughs> No one knew what crypto, like no one knew what how to download a crypto wallet, how to use a crypto wallet. Um, but if I knew that if I just waited one year that 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 would have turned around, I probably would have continued working on it for another year. But hindsight bias, you know. So we ended up shutting down the company right before the pandemic, um, like six, like five or six months before the pandemic started, and then um, gave the remaining money back to the investors. And then I went back to the drawing board to figure out what I want to do with my life. Do I want to be in tech? Do I want to leave tech? Do I want to be in crypto? Do I want to leave crypto? Um, so I kind of honestly took a break for almost a year. And I was also just focusing on personal stuff, health stuff that I had, like that I just kind of put on pause for years because I was just so busy working all the time. And then um, in 2021, I started Dap Camp. Honestly, it was by total accident. It was just like a side project that I started because I love teaching and I wanted to continue teaching. Um, and I, it, it's Dab Camp. What we do, our mission is basically to um, educate, develop, make, make, make it really 
easy and streamlined for developers to break into Web3. So it's a cohort where we take Web2 developers and train them on Web3 development. We specifically started with Ethereum as a platform that we want to teach um, with the goal of expanding to other platforms in the future. And um, and we did we did a we did a cohort and it went really really well and we kept doing more and more cohorts and just loved it. I think the cohort based experience is something that's popped up after the pandemic and it's a really cool concept because basically what it you can get people from all around the world who can come to this course during these couple of weeks and you can curate the best people and they join this cohort. So it's live and there's a lot of engagement and activity and excitement and it forces developers to learn faster, quicker, have more accountability and all that good stuff. And I really enjoy doing it. I really love education. So I've been kind of doing, sticking to education ever since. Um, most recently, I launched something called ZK Camp, which does something similar, but for the zero knowledge technology world. So I can talk about zero knowledge tech later but basically zero knowledge tech is like the new thing in crypto that's really gaining a lot of popularity and it's basically the technology that could potentially bring privacy and scalability to blockchain so it's a big deal and the problem though is that it's a very 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 complex technology that requires a lot of math and cryptography to make sense of and most developers get utterly lost if they try to learn it and so we know that from our experience at Dab Camp and just my experience previously having done a lot of blogging and teaching that I believe I'm some of the I'm one of the best educators um, in tech who can really take a very complex topic and break it down into something that's understandable. So we want to do that with the ZK um, field. So we started ZK Camp as a way as an education platform to teach developers how to build um ZK based applications for the for blockchains. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And so I'll stop there. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I appreciate you sharing the story. It was, uh, you know, it was fun sort of piecing it together from preparing for this conversation and, and seemed like an interesting path, but getting the uh, the full version and sort of the detailed version and all sort of in in sequence was uh, very, you know, interesting to listen to. So appreciate you sharing it. Um, I think you know, there's a couple things just transparently between you and I that uh, we have a lot in common in terms of our paths. The first is starting our careers in, uh, you know, technology uh, investment banking. And then second, um, you know, taking these sort of like gaps or quitting your job without knowing what's next. Um, I've kind of done this a couple of times myself and uh, sort of in the middle of one of those periods right now. And uh, you've obviously done this a couple of times and it's surprisingly not that common i think at least uh, you know i don't have many peers who i or people who i hear about who sort of do these sort of things but i look at your story and it's like okay you know quitting andreessen without you know you had like a goal which was like to teach yourself how to code but you didn't have like a job lined up or anything like that um and then you know after true story also sort of taking a more deliberate year to just kind of focus on life priorities. Um, I'm curious, I guess, maybe in both of those instances, as well as any others, uh, how you were able to make that what I think is like a, a fairly uncommon decision that, you know, no one in their right minds would like, leave what I'm doing right now. And in, in like the A16Z would be like sort of the critique. And then the second time with true story, it's like, oh, you know, it's already difficult to deal with my startup, you know, I'm shutting it down. But having the confidence sort of despite that to say, I'm not going to like rush into my next thing now. Um, so I'm just sort of curious your thoughts, I guess, on on quitting and, and having sort of the confidence to take some time and sort of trust your gut and, uh, you know, how you navigated those times and, and sort of reflect on them. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it was just honestly being true. It was, there was no like question whether that was the right thing or not in my mind like I've always just been like okay this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it and in the case of for example going back to a16z like I in like 
being at A16Z, obviously, it's like I could have had a really great career if I just continued on for the next two, three, five years. And I don't know, like, who knows what my career would have been if I just continued on. But I would have just never had the skill set that I've always wanted to have, which is like being able to code and understand technology and being able to look at a piece of technology and read documentation and understand it. Something about that is really liberating to me. Like I like to be able to look underneath something and be like, okay, I understand how that works. Um, And I think that's a skill set that is going to be useful to me throughout my life, regardless, even if I don't do tech in the future, I think the skill is insanely useful no matter what I do. And so to me, it was just an obvious decision. It's like, I want to, I want to learn how to code because um the the downside benefits of that i think outweigh the the short term gains i could get in my career by just staying in this current path and plus you know i like i was at a16z for 2 years it's not like i left after like 6 months or something and in those 2 years i built really strong relationships everyone really liked working with me and so i know how i had like good referrals if i needed it and it's not like um it's not like I left without any, any, any like good, any good solid work I put into the firm. Like I, I strongly believe that I did really good work for the firm and um, I was going to reap those benefits in the future if I needed to. And I learned what I needed to learn from that firm. I could have stayed and continued my learning, but it was just not going to be as steep, you know? Yeah, uh, I definitely uh, will go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And, and in terms of like with the startup, that again, it was just a very authentic decision of what I needed for my life at that time. And um, it was, I knew that like I had put a bunch of stuff on the back burner because I was so focused on working for the past decade that like that was the, the time that I just needed to stop and focus on other things in my life and just put my career on pause um, so that I can slow down and tend to these things because everything has a timeline and if i just put put these life things on the back burner forever then i'm i don't know I've, i feel like I'd, I'd be regretful in the future and it was absolutely the right thing to do at that time and it also gave me perspective on you know how i wanted to how i wanted my day-to-day to be in the future i don't think i could ever go to go back to the lifestyle i used to have when i was working at a16z or goldman or or Coinbase, you know, I just, I'm just a different, I just, I feel like I'm a lot more balanced now. And taking that year off between my startup and starting dad camp allowed me to recalibrate and figure out what my work life balance is going to be like. And I'm much more, um, I guess, uh, the, bal- the, the lifestyle I have now is a lot more sustainable than what I had when I was working in, in hardcore tech. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I really respect the you know ability to just sort of feel and, and follow your intuition. I think a lot of people, um, you know, it's much more difficult than uh, not that it was easy for you, I'm sure, but it sounds like it was at least a little bit natural. Um, and you tend to sort of like tune out, you know, maybe what others think to maybe a greater degree than, than most people. And, um, I'm a huge advocate of that. And, I think uh, there's this, you know, you talk about Andreessen Horowitz and and uh, sort of knowing that if you were there for a few more years, you know, you can sort of like project your life forward, same as you did at Goldman and you saw, you know, this isn't the path that I want. I'm not looking at my managing director and like wanting to sort of do what they did to get there and then be there. That's not really like the ladder that I want to climb. And then maybe it wasn't quite the same at A16Z. Maybe it was a little bit closer to like the sort of thing that you might like to do, but just knowing like, the predictability of it, I guess. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for sort of, um, you know, you only get one chance to live and it sort of to me and and I think to others, uh, to some others and and maybe to you, it it sort of feels like uh, life deserves to have sort of some unpredictability and surprise. And if you just sort of like find a path that you can project out five or 10 years pretty accurately and just know like I just do this and I just get to that, it almost feels just like a little bit of a waste to me, not to like, you know, anyone can have their own, you know, view and and follow their own path. And if you want to, if you have like a 10 year goal that you want to march towards and get there, that's totally fine. But um, I definitely respect sort of like 
taking a step off the beaten path and you sort of are on something that's definitely going to result in sort of what what most would view as like an objectively successful place in life um you know as you get older and and to say you know what i have that but also be practical about the fact that like i'm not like leaving all of this like you said you know you're not but by quitting you're not leaving the fact like your your goldman experience doesn't like get deleted off your resume your your a16z doesn't either you have these connections that you've made and i think people can sort of um spin up the worst case scenario to be a lot worse than it actually is and you know maybe if you had sort of changed your mind you could have maybe gone back to a16z or at least like landed with another venture firm somewhere and the the downside is usually like a lot higher or like the floor is a lot higher than i think people will let their fears sort of suggest um so i think i don't know it's just uh it's something that i, I actually like just care quite a bit about in talking with like young people that uh i think it's just important to really think for yourself on these sorts of things and you know i don't know i, I guess I'll, I'll stop the rant on that yeah but, no uh, i totally i totally agree i think like people over overanalyze the downsides or over yeah over i don't know what the right word is like you said the floor is a lot higher than people assume for the downside and i think you have to have some level of confidence right like you know i i believe that uh, i i know that i'm i have i'm smart right like i know that i can learn things i know that i can if i put my mind to something i can figure it out so I have like the foundational skills and I felt I wasn't scared that I'm going to be jobless. Like that fear just doesn't, didn't exist in me. And, and so I was like, okay, so is this like, it's not like I was taking like this ginormous risk where like, if it doesn't work out, I won't have a job. Like in the worst case, let's say I learned how to code and I suck at it and I can't get a coding job. Then I go back to VC, like you said, like I, I already have those skills. I'll just use those skills again. So like the upside was higher and the downside was that I just basically be doing what I was doing anyway. Um, So that's kind of how I saw it. And it was right. Like I, I now, you know, I can, and it also was honestly, I think I've also just been the type of person ever since I was young where I, um, I'm. I'm more of a generalist in in regard. Like, I don't know if generalist is the right word, but like, um, I like to take balance and kind of understand different things. And I feel like if I just do one thing for X number of years, unless I truly, truly know that that's what I really want. But it was like, you know, investment banking, venture capital, none of these felt like these are, this is what I want with my life. Like I didn't feel that way. So for me, it was like, okay, let me learn how to code because, you know, if I don't, if I know I don't want to spend my rest of my life in VC and I don't want to be a banker for the rest of my life, um, I have to figure out what I want to do. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm just exploring and, and going or going about and trying to get different skills so I can kind of put them together and create something that truly represents what I want to do. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. I'm like, I don't know enough about this to even like bring it up, but I'll do it anyway. It's like, there's this sort of old, uh, I think like the Greeks, like a lot of like the very well-known ancient Greek people would have like these career arcs, if you'll call it that, or life arcs where like they would just do completely different, like fundamentally different occupations over, you know, different chapters of their life. And then, you know, maybe at the end, they're just kind of like a professional philosopher and that's always been interesting, I think, where, you know, there's for for the last, you know, so many decades, it's been commonplace that, you know, you go and there's certain tracks, you become a doctor, you become a lawyer, those are sort of the successful paths that you can do, you become a business person, whatever it might be. Um, and now, of course, it's a little different. I think the younger generations, myself included, are like, people like to jump around and there's all sorts of new specific types of roles. It's not as like, fundamental maybe as it used to be or like there's many more options and specific things but just the um because there's so many more specific things maybe people tend to like they'll jump around but within like a specific category that they started in maybe by happenstance out of college but to sort of appreciate like hey there's like all of these like very fundamentally different paths out there and it might be fun to try some different ones um and you can always return to like a previous one that you like better or find bits and pieces you like of each I think uh, is is a very interesting way to go about it. But um, I I want to uh, transition or or segue a little bit towards something you mentioned about like having the fundamentals, Uh, you know, you have that sort of like 
is, uh, you know, pins the the confidence that you have in yourself is knowing that you have like the fundamentals to kind of like learn everything. And I know, uh, or, or learn anything rather that, that you want. And I know, um, you know, you've described yourself as an autodidact, or I hope I'm pronouncing that right as a word that I actually haven't seen very often, but, uh, basically means like, you know, how to teach yourself stuff. And, uh, so I'm curious if you have, you know, you've done this with, with coding, as you've talked about, you know, with crypto, uh, with dance and all sorts of things. And I'm curious, do you have any like sort of principles or, or processes or, or pieces of processes that you've developed over time that you can sort of like, you know, maybe teaching yourself something the first couple of times, like something big and, and scary was more difficult the first time. And since then, as you've gone to other things, you can sort of draw upon principles or processes that you've developed over time. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I hope to like, be able to write all this down. I feel like I'm still living <laughs> living and experimenting with all of these processes and principles. But I mean, I think if I had to like simplify it, it really just comes down to um, consistency and discipline. I think if you just show up every day and do the thing that you're interested in doing, even if it's just a little bit of time, like you will make progress. And, and in that progress, like, if you just keep going, you'll, there's just so many discoveries along the way along when you're learning something and you adjust and you, you, you make adjustments to your learning. You find new teachers maybe, or you find new peers to learn with. You, you discover a community. You just realize like, okay, I'm here in this learning journey. Like, I feel like this is where I'm stuck. Like I need to do this to continue my learning or get better. I think what a lot of people do is they start learning something and then they they get kind of far a little bit of, uh, ahead and they get all this like adrenaline from learning something but then they don't continue it because they kind of reach a plateau and they get discouraged or whatever um and I think I mean I've done that too with certain topics like where I've tried I was like oh I want I'm really interested in this and I just like stop learning it and but like, if it's truly, truly something I'm interested in, that's when I show, I just show up every day and I just put in a little bit of work towards it. I just try not to think too much about it. I don't try, I try not to think about like exactly how I'm going to, I, don't, I try to, I not, one, I try not to have require perfect conditions to learn, right? Like let's take like dance as an example um, or even crypto as an example, like uh I don't require that it doesn't, I don't have to be like next to a dance studio or, you know, have a perfect floor or whatever, just to practice. Like if I have an eight foot by eight foot space and it's wooded, um, that's enough for me. And I'll do something in, even if it's not a full practice, maybe it's like, I'm just practicing arms or, or, or maybe doing a little bit more mobility stuff, etc. So like, no matter what just like having some kind of momentum each day is really the key to success in anything you do and this is true honestly for example even if you want to go grow a social media account right that's what it takes um like my husband is a social media influencer and his he's just really good at that like i i'm not a i just i really just don't care about social media growth that much it's just like i don't like being on social media that much so i don't really want to like be there every day necessarily but my husband his his whole career is based on um growing on social media so I see what he does right it's just like you show up every day you create content that's hopefully somewhat interesting and then you compound that over the course of you know one two three five years and then you have an audience that you know that you can monetize or use for whatever purpose that you want to use it for um and so that's kind of just been my simple, simple, dumbed down strategy. And then the other thing is, um, like, like I said, like, I've had so many times in my learning journey for whatever skill I'm learning, where I've had plateaus, or I feel like I'm literally going backwards. And that's like, completely, completely normal. And sometimes I notice that a lot of people will get discouraged or drop off at those points and it's super critical that you like double down during those times because when you're plateauing or almost feeling like you're going backwards sometimes that's when you're going to make a big leap um and sometimes that's when you have to 
maybe figure out, okay, like I'm plateauing, like what's the missing ingredient here that's not letting me go forward in this specific area. And then you figure out that missing ingredient and then you just make a giant leap. So I think being very cognizant of, of how you're progressing and um, of what you're doing day to day and making sure that you're tracking it is also useful. What else? How else do you learn? And honestly, just like, just pursue things that you're genuinely interested in. Like if, and the other, and this is, this is a, this is one that's a little bit, um, it has a double-edged sword because like sometimes when you learn something new, like you're super interested in it. So you're really into it and then you get bored of it. And a lot of people also drop off at that point. But I think you have to recognize that boredom is a part of, of, just the learning journeys not you're not going to be always super excited to learn something some days you just have to show up and recognize that it's going to be a grind um, and it's going to be boring and you have to get through that boredom and this is where also I've noticed a lot of people fail uh, where they start getting bored of it and they drop off and I think this is there's like a fine balance here because there's a difference between getting bored but intrinsically actually still being very interested in it but being bored of it and truly done with it. Like there's a distinction there. And I think um, bored and being truly done with it, that doesn't really happen for most people that I've met. Like most people get bored just because they've lost the novelty aspect of whatever they're learning and they, they quit. Like the there's been very few people I've known that got bored and are done with it. And that's usually people who have like done it for their whole careers or something. 10 or 20 years later, they're like, okay, I learned enough about this that like I am done and I'm moving on to the next field kind of thing. But most people sit in the former where they're bored because it's, yeah, not enough novelty and then they have to move on. I don't, I think that's, I would just discredit, discredit your feelings in that regard. Just like, uh, and just go keep doing it because you you might find that you get re-energized by 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 it maybe a week or two weeks or a month later if you just keep going. Um, I'm just rambling, but those are some of the things that come to mind <laughs> just no, based yeah, on my experience, like learning different skills. Yeah, it's great. I think uh, there's a lot of sort of fundamental principles in there, and I'll I'll just sort of like summarize the few that I took away from it. Uh, because maybe a part of learning is like repeating something back is, is useful for me at least so or like summarizing so um, one thing obviously is you know, you know pick something that you're genuinely interested in to learn about if you don't you might sort of not have the motivation required to keep going um, second is you know the consistency and discipline of it just showing up every day focusing more on like that you're learning than you know what you're learning like it doesn't need to be the most optimized process or anything like that just show up and put some time in every day or every so often, however, whatever the cadence is. And that's really useful. And it sort of compounds. And then, you know, in those moments where it's like, you feel down or, or plateaued, sort of recognizing it's, you know, it's going to be two steps forward, one step back. And, you know, at sometimes it might be one step forward, three steps back, but just to uh, sort of double down in those back steps rather than, you know, think about quitting. And then uh, maybe inevitably sort of find yourself ahead of where you were after some amount of time. And then the last thing that was um was interesting to me, I I have a sort of draft that I want to write of a blog about this actually, but I thought it was really interesting what you said about, you know, not needing like a dance studio next to your house to learn how to dance. Um, or not needing to be, for example, like in Silicon Valley to start a tech company. Um, that's like a very common one these days. People are like, oh, you know, there's this big debate, like do you have to be an SF or whatever? And it's like to build an AI yeah. company. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, um, the, you know, the draft version of, of this blog that I have is basically like, I use kind of a silly example, but, you know, so you really want to learn how to like surf, but you live in Nashville, uh, you know, landlocked, <laughs> like obviously, you know, really, you know, you're not gonna be able to surf, but, uh, you can learn like so much, like you can put yourself like, it's basically just an excuse. I think if you really, really want to learn something or do something and you say that you know i'm all for like doing things that your environment is accommodating for because it's just easier but if there's something that like you really want to do i think pretending that or you know believing when people say that like you need to be in some other situation to do that is just basically a bs excuse because like if you're in nashville for example with the surfing you look at like a ton of youtube videos on surfing and 
all these, you know, you, people teaching it, people doing it, whatever. You read these books, uh, you go and you get in like better shape. That's not going to hurt you. You go and like you start, you know, you save up some money so that you can eventually move to California or Hawaii or whatever you want. You go and you do like some skateboarding, which probably is going to help a lot. Like there's all these things that you can do so that when it comes time that you actually are in the ocean with some waves, like the learning curve is going to just be like so much easier based on what you've done to prepare for that. So I'm a big believer in in sort of not needing the uh, the dance studio next door, like you said. And I think that's, um, you know, hopefully there's there's a few principles that people pulled out of that. I certainly did of, of what you said on sort of, uh, you know, your experience learning. Obviously, you've had huge success doing so on a variety of topics in the past. And uh, now you're teaching, you know, some of what you've learned uh, and sort of realized like, okay, taught myself how to code, taught myself about crypto. And obviously crypto, you know, there's huge demand for developers. It's extremely well-paid position. A lot of people interested in doing it. And with Dapp Camp, you know, the, the latest focus that you're working on, you're, you're teaching cohorts, like you mentioned, to, uh, you know, Web2 developers to become Web3 developers. And I'm curious, you know, it sounds like I even saw like early in your story, you didn't mention it, but um, I think you taught like theater and acting to kids while you were at school or something like that. And it seems like teaching, obviously learning has been a huge part of your story since a very young age, but it seems like teaching has always sort of been a passion that you've paid more or less attention to over time, whether it's blogging or whatever it might be. And now it's sort of like your main thing. So I'm curious, you know, how that's been. And also if your ambition for DAP camp is like, obviously the more you sort of like grow something, the more, unless you like hire a CEO or something, the more you have to kind of do business stuff versus actually teaching. And I'm curious, like, do you want to grow it? Do you want to keep teaching? Not quite sure. Uh, I'm just curious sort of how it's been. Yeah, and no, what the I absolutely is. love, I love teaching. Um, and it's especially fun when you have a, we have the team at Death Camp, it's me and two other people. And um, it's really fun just, you know, coming together, coming up with curriculum and then teaching students. And, you know, the teachers draw as much energy from the students as the students draw energy from the teachers. It's sort of like a, a bi-directional com uh, communication of energy and I really I do enjoy it because not not only um is it fun but it also forces me to be on like forces me to sharpen my skills right because when students ask questions it's like if I don't know the answer um then I have to figure out the answer and make sure that I can provide the student that answer and when you do it enough times, they ask you enough questions that it forces you to really, really understand a topic deeply because you've kind of gone and answered all of these questions that you'd have never thought of if you weren't teaching. So I like that it forces me to to go deeper into a particular area. And then um, and then in terms of whether I want to continue doing it, and yeah, like as as we've done the cohorts, I've definitely delegated some of the teaching to my co-founder slash co-instructor um, just so that I can focus a little bit more on things like marketing and, and partnerships. And I don't, I don't mind that at all. Like I enjoy, I enjoy all, all parts of the business. And if I need to take a back step from like day-to-day -day teaching and curriculum building to doing some of the other business stuff, I, I enjoy that as well. So yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's like, uh, I really like building um, an education platform. But the other thing that we're now, for example, thinking about is like right now, it's, it's definitely a, a great business. Um, but in terms of like, do we want to turn it potentially into a VC backed business is something that we're thinking about because right now it's, it's completely bootstrapped and it's profitable from day one, but like we're figuring out, is that, is that what we want to keep in? I'm totally fine with that. If that's, that ends up being our answer too, or do we want to kind of think about it turning into something bigger and more scalable um, and potentially VC backed because that requires a whole different game plan um of what we want to build with this platform because it can't just be cohorts that's just not that's not a vc backed business you know what i mean so yeah. yeah it's it's fun it's fun thinking about these questions and figuring out what our future entails but for now yeah this is what we're doing 
I'm curious. Uh, well, I'll ask two questions because we only have uh, 10 minutes and, you know, yeah. I, uh, you, you can pick which question you, you want. Uh, the <laughs> one is uh, on the decision you were just talking about. It's something that I'd be interested in hearing how you're thinking about that, like the pros and cons of continuing along the path that you're on or sort of becoming a, a VC backed business. So that's one. And, uh, and you can take both of these if you want. But uh, the second one is I understand you're making the program a lot more uh, Web3 native and you're doing some interesting things such as like, I think people's, uh, you know, identities are like their ETH addresses or ENS names or something yeah. like that. And you've got NFT badges for certain accomplishments. So speaking to sort of how you guys are going about making this a Web3 native thing and how Web3 might be able to impact education at large. Uh, that would be like the second thing. So one is like VC backed versus bootstrap. The other is Web3 and education. Yeah. So in terms of Web3 education, there's been like, it's something that we've, we, we've been brainstorming ourselves and not just Web3 education, but Web3 AI and education. I have a hunch that these three are going to merge in some way and create something interesting. Like we already know that AI and education, for example, is going to be a game changer because Everyone basically uses ChatGPT for homework and shit right now. Like my brother doesn't do any of his homework. It's insane. And mm-hmm. and like, you know, for tutoring and stuff, ChatGPT is like a perfect tutor if you just slightly um, train it on your specific material as shown by Khan Academy and, and some other platforms that are experimenting with this. So, you know, AI and education is going to be big. And so I believe that crypto is also going to play a role in in this mix and i don't know what yet though like i know it's gonna come together i just haven't put much brain space into figuring out like how they're gonna come together but i have a feeling they will <laughs> that's all i can say um you know i think maybe you know crypto will enhance the incentives for education in some way um but i don't know how uh um, and that's something that we want to, we've been also wanting to explore ourselves, but haven't had the chance to do that yet. In terms of how we're thinking about VC and versus not, I think there's a few factors at play here. One is like, what kind of lifestyle do I want to lead personally? Like, you know, I'm a mom now. Um, and so can I, can I, um, do I, do I have the, will to do a VC back business at this stage in life? Is this the right season for me to do that is a question I'm thinking about. And, and it's not like I don't have, I, I have help and stuff like that. It's more a personal choice, right? Like how much time do I want to spend away from my child? <laughs> uh, and then secondly, I think uh, also it comes down to can we think of a, a way because like I said, like I said, I really love education and I want to stay in the education space. I want to do education. So can we think of some way to do education, but also build a tool that's scalable that if that makes sense. So like maybe I don't know. I don't, we don't know what it is yet, but um, it's like maybe come for the tools, stay for the network or some something that like, that we maybe the education is is what serves as marketing for this tool and so we're exploring that avenue and trying to figure out like what we could potentially do but still very early days in that regard and it's 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 like i think it's a question i'm seeing more people answer for themselves because back in the day like 2015 2016 2017 it's like we raising vc funding was like the only way to build a startup but now there's so many ways to build a startup. You don't necessarily always need VC funding. It's totally fine if your startup doesn't have VC funding, you know? Yeah, I think um, on the VC funding bit, like there's examples like, uh, you know, Shopify that was bootstrapped for quite a long time and then eventually, you know, raised some money and now they're Shopify. So I think it's like, you don't need to, uh, it, it sounds like you're sort of thinking through things very deliberately. And I'm sure that if and when, or, you know, not necessarily when, but if the time comes that uh, you do want to go the VC route, it'll be available and, and you know, I'm sure it'll go great. And if you decide, you know, if that feeling of going that route fades away or, you know, you don't want to go that direction, it, it seems like basically 
at all the big points in your life, you've had a lot of, you know, confidence and, uh, you know, strong feeling and intuition of a certain route. And so until that appears, I guess, probably saying the course might make sense. And I think it sounds like there's kind of no rush and you can always flip the switch and go the VC mode and, uh, try to scale it, you know, to something bigger if and when the time comes. But, um, and, and then on the, uh, the web three bit, I thought, uh, I also have no idea how those things are going to combine in terms of crypto AI and education, but, uh, I don't disagree with your hunch. And, uh, I wonder if this is like very general and, you know, I couldn't be pressed for specifics, but basically I think education, we think of it as like, it's all about like the learning, right. But it's, it's also sort of like the credentialing and the social aspects of school. And so maybe to your point, you know, um, on incentives and things like that, like maybe crypto is more on like the social side of things, whether it's a credential or building a network of people and things like that. And then the AI is the more valuable piece on the actual learning of it. Um, and I don't know how all that comes together, but it'll be interesting to see um, for sure. But anyway, uh, I, I want to give you the last word, but I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time and coming on the show. It's been great talking with you. And, uh, you know, if you could just also end with telling people where they can go to, uh, you know, learn more about you and what you're doing and maybe apply to DAP camp or wherever you want to send people. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me on and appreciate all the thoughtful questions and um, being able to summarize what I said as well. And so if anyone wants to find me, yeah, they can find me on Twitter at I am underscore Preeti or my blog, which is just PreetiCastoreti.com. And um, if you want to learn more about DAP camp or ZK camp, it's DAP camp dot xyz or zkcamp.xyz but yeah i look forward to hearing from you and especially if you're you're a developer and you're web3 curious um definitely reach out i'd love to help you and help you break into the space because web3 definitely needs more developers and um the more smart web2 people that we can get into web3 the more chances web3 has of making a difference in the world. Like right now, the biggest criticism of Web3 is that there's no use cases. No one uses this. What's the point of all this? And so we definitely need a lot more experimentation and people building potential use cases. And that's why I think I started DapCamp in the first place because we just needed more developers. So definitely hit me up if you're interested in getting into the space. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, yeah, definitely encourage people to go check out DAP Camp, also ZK Camp, which you mentioned, and uh, hopefully you'll get some students, but um, you know, from this podcast, but thanks again. And uh, great talking and have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Bye.